Good morning, Hope Vale. If you are able, will you please rise to your feet with us? We're talking about anxiety lately, and when I get really anxious, I like to remind myself who my God is. We serve Jehovah Shalom. That means God of peace. Whether we are high on the mountain or in the darkest valley, our God never changes. He is a God of peace. So let's praise Him for that. Sing with me. Your love is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old Your love is enduring Through the winter rain And beyond the horizon With mercy for today Cause faithful you have been And faithful you will be You pledge yourself to me And that's why I sing Your praise will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips Your on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my Saints, we sing worthy are you, Lord. 
every heartbreak, through every circumstance. I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. Yeah. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life.
so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to come and worship you freely today. Thank you that this place filled up with a bunch of people that say, God, uh, more of you in my life, please. Um, That would be wonderful and that would be amazing. So God, would you hear from your people today as we've sang and as we've prayed already walking in, uh, desiring more and more of you. And so um, God, we sing this better as one day in your courts, as Psalm 84, um, scripture uh, that was written so many years ago by, uh, by the psalmist that, that, that penned this and said, God, it's better to just be with you and to be with uh, the, your God's people and in your courts than uh, a thousand days elsewhere. So, um, God, uh, that's a good day. Good to be at church today. We just want you to know that. And we want you to know that we're grateful. We want you to know that we're appreciative. And, uh, God, we want you to know that uh, you deserve all the praise and all the glory that we're able to muster up and give you today. If that's really hard for us today, if that's really hard to muster up, thanks. God, I pray that today's, uh, just even in this next hour, that something morphs, something changes, uh, just a little bit more to be able to give you more and more gratitude and more and more thanks. God, we give you this day. We give you our attention. That's why we come to this place, and we ask you to move in our time together. We pray. Amen. God bless you, gang. Glad you're here. Hey, while you're standing, say hi to somebody around you uh, for a second. See you in a moment. Well, you are welcome to have a seat, and it is so cool to hear the sounds of fellowship and warmth and welcome in this body today. It's great to have you with us. If, by the way, you discovered during that time of greeting that the person next to you could use a breath mint, there's a big bowl of them out in the lobby. Just please be gentle and discreet about it. Uh, My name is Bill Hobson, and I can still vividly recall the time seven or so years ago that my wife Ellen and our son Bo and I came to this church for the first time. It was actually on my birthday. And we came into a place that was filled with warmth, friendliness, and a laser-like focus on honoring and serving the Lord. So if you are here today for the first time ever, welcome. We are really glad to have you here. And it is a... um, It's a special opportunity to worship, to sing praises. You're a pretty good-sounding choir, by the way. I want you to know that if you came in here today burdened with something and struggling to find things for which to be thankful, I've got one for you. This will be at the top of your list. I'm not going to sing right now. You should be very glad about that. Instead, I want to bring you up to speed on what's happening at Hopevale this week because tomorrow evening, this place is going to be lively, to say the very least. All of these chairs will be gone. There will be energy, adrenaline, noise. The regularly mild-mannered William Petty will take on the persona of the drummer from the Muppets because it is Bible Camp Week. And here's what's amazing about Bible Camp Week to me. You get a chance to play a role in it. Now, tomorrow, all of these chairs will be gone, but... In the very place where you are seated right now, a young person will be standing or bouncing or whatever it is they're asked to do. And Bible camp is about so much more than just adrenaline and skateboards and neon. It's actually about life-changing moments. As young people learn about a God that never changes and is not dependent on the whims of the culture, and our prayer is that during Bible camp week, Hearts will be touched forever. So my invitation slash encouragement to you is to take this week, Monday through Thursday, and pray every day for whatever kid is going to be standing where you are sitting right now. You don't have to know their name. God does. And pray that they will never be the same as when they came here. You have another way that you can take part in Bible camp and the mission of Hope Vale, all around the world. As we ask the ushers to come forward, I want to share with you a powerful reality. When you give to the Lord as an act of worship, just as much as singing is, you're actually a difference maker. And you're touching lives both here in this region 
and all over the planet through our global partners. So on behalf of those who are serving full-time in parts of the world we may never visit, thank you in advance for what you're going to do today. Let's pray together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Lord, we thank you for this amazing opportunity to help other people, to worship through our giving and at the same time bring ministry to bring you to them. We especially ask for your hand to be on Bible camp this week as hundreds of young people will come into this sanctuary. Our prayer is that you will deeply touch them, change them, and raise up from them servants who forever will commit themselves to you. We commit this week to you and this service as well. In your name, amen. Thanks, Bill Hobson. Hi, friends. Yeah, my name is Billy Petty. I'm the worship pastor here. Hey, uh, we've been in this series uh, called It Is Well. And uh, if you've been with us for the last, I don't know, six weeks or so, you've been hearing this series about anxiety and uh, how God can help us through our anxieties and things like that. We've got a great um, sermon uh, time today with some folks who are going to share. It'll be really good. But before we get there, uh, and for this offering, just stay seated. We're going to sing this song that uh, really kind of hits home with this. Mercy Me, uh, a lot of people know that Christian band. They did I Can Only Imagine. That song, uh, Bart Miller, he wrote this song too called Even If. It's been out on Christian radio for a while. And uh, Rachel over there to my left um, uh, said, Billy, this song would be perfect for our series. And uh, a few weeks ago, we thought, man, this would be great to sing for our church and to really let us uh, pray this together. Uh, even if, remember those two little lines, even if, uh, as we sing this song uh, to you and over you. And may this be your prayer as well. Take us in, JP. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, and right now, right now I'm losing, babe. I stood on this platform week after week, reminding the broken to just pray and see, right now, right now. Just keep. It's easy to sing and there's nothing to bring me down. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? And I know you're able, I know you can to save through the fire. Your mighty hand, and even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. A good thing, a little faith is all I have. Right now. But God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be able to see it is a well with my soul. And I know you're able, I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand.
Cause I know you're able And I know you can And I know you're able And I know you can Save through the fire With your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone I know the sorrow Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopewell. Uh, such a joy to share this day with you. Want to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us in Bay City as well. Great to have you with us. Today we get to wrap up a series we've been in for several weeks now called It Is Well. It Is Well, Finding Peace in an Anxious World. And to help me wrap things up, I'm joined on stage by some very special Hopel friends. And we together want to just share from you, uh, from some different perspectives, things that God has taught us uh, through our experiences, through his word, through other people, about how you can truly find and experience greater peace in this anxious world of ours. And so to get us started, we're gonna do some introductions and we'll start at the far end with Pastor Ken. Yeah, hi, I'm Ken McGillivray. I'm the Associate Senior Pastor here at Hopevale. And actually, my wife, Renee, and I are uh, celebrating 14 years at Hopevale Church this very week, Bible Camp Week. So Woo! we're excited about that, yeah, yeah. And we have four young adult children, three sons, one daughter in kind of various phases, phases of adulting. You know how that goes with young adult kids. And our oldest son, Ken III, and his wife, Amy, uh, just had their first baby, our first grandchild. And so we're very excited. So if you ask us what we're doing this summer and you hear us just say, Hunter, <laughs> that's our grandson. You'll know what we mean by that. So, yeah. My name is Chelsea Seaver. Um, I've been going to Hopevale um, since 2009. I was in introduced to Hopevale by my now in-laws. Um, and my husband and I have been coming here since then. Um, we live here in Saginaw, working. We have one little fur baby. And I work as a counselor at Child and Family Services. My name is Millie Jezior, and um, I'm a new member of the worship team at Hopevale. It's exciting. Uh, we lived in Chicago, and we moved here about 13 years ago. We've been going to Hope Vale since 2009. Um, my husband, Michael's here. Hi, Mike. <laughs> we have two children. Shelby is seven, going into third grade, and Sawyer is five, going into second grade. I'm sorry, first. And um, I work for MidMichigan Health in Midland. Great. Where we're well, we're glad to have you on board, and as we dive into this, topic of worry and anxiety. Ken, we'll start with you. You know, you're an experienced pastor. You're uh, versed in the scripture. You've worked with people uh, through the years. As you've gone through this series and as you've thought about this topic um, yourself, you know, what comes to mind as you think about this? 
Yeah, Dan, a, a couple things really. And the first I think is that we all deal with worry or anxiety in some way, every one of us. And some of us know that, some of us may be uh, taking some medications or seeing someone, a counselor, someone special in regard to some of the worry and anxiety that we're experiencing. But I, I, think, I think many of us may not be in that situation. And part of the danger of our series is that we could walk out and say, well, I don't have PTSD or I'm, I'm not taking anxiety meds or I'm okay and not realize that at some level, all of us deal with anxiety. And it, it shows up in our everyday lives more than we realize. And I, I, that's what makes a series like this so important for each of us. Um, and secondly is that, I, and I, I love this, that God speaks to our fears, our worries, our anxieties so much in scripture. Yeah. He speaks to it so much because he knows that we deal with actual worries and anxieties and potential things that could happen that we are concerned about. And so God speaks to that for, for each of us. I love that. And isn't that great because it's a God who is, um, well, certainly through Jesus, identifies with our weakness and he our does. struggles. And so doesn't, you know, um, he, he points us to progress, but doesn't demand perfection and, and recognizes how frightening things can be, yes, right? But we don't have to live in that fear. Now, Chelsea, you, you bring a different perspective as a counseling professional. And so you see clients and you, you know, I'm guessing different ages and genders, stage of life things. Tell me just some of your observations um, that you've seen through the years with, with your client base and just this whole area of anxiety and just even what people wrestle with in terms of anxiousness. And, and you know, I mentioned earlier in one of those uh, messages too about just even trends increasing. Is that something you're seeing as well? So just give us some of your insights. Well, um, one thing is that Anxiety does not discriminate. Um, we see clients from kids to older adults and everything in between. Um, and when they come into the office, one thing that I see a lot of is that they come in feeling not hopeless, um, overwhelmed by their anxiety. Um, and anxiety stemming, I mean, if you're a little kid, it can be social media, getting on the internet and seeing your friends all hanging out and maybe you're not invited. Um, and that doesn't mean that older adults don't see that too. Um, there's this FOMO, this fear of missing out. You're seeing everyone on social media doing things that maybe you're not, they're married and you're not, or they get kids and you don't. Um, they have so much stress, economic stress. Um, I know a lot of us are feeling it in the area. Um, they struggle with that, paying the bills, paying the bills on time. Um, there's this environmental stress, not just here in Saginaw, there's some stuff going on here, but in the bigger picture in our country, there's some environmental stress, some, some real threats. So um, there's just, it ranges from all over the place. It can be right next door. Your little kids dealing with bullying or people, adults in work dealing with bullying, and it can be even the country, fearing what's going on in the country. So there's just, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of anxiety. And in your time, have, have you seen you know, that, that grow? Just... Absolutely. Um, with the older adults, it's funny because now there's a name for it. Um, several years ago, they didn't pin anxiety on everything. So older adults come in and say, my daughter tells me I have anxiety when really they've just dealt with this their whole lives, um, just worrying about things and thinking they should just be dealing with it. But um, I'm, there's so many more young kids coming through the doors. Um, there's so many new stresses at school and stuff that they're dealing with, um, raised expectations and stuff. So um, it's broadening in age and definitely more people are coming in with anxiety. One of the things uh, Chelsea told me that I thought was fascinating too when you talk about kind of all ages, you said even you know grandparents who find themselves maybe raising their children's yeah. children, right? And just the stress of that, they're wanting to do the right thing, but boy, you know, it wasn't necessarily something they signed up for, and that's a lot to carry, certainly. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, Millie, um, this has really been neat. Uh, Millie's part of our worship team, and you know, she's just really had some honest conversations with Pastor Billy and, and with me about her own journey in working through personal anxiety. So first of all, thank you for, 
for uh, you know being here and being willing to do this. So um, give us a little insight into your journey and, and what it's like and what it's been like for you to wrestle with anxiety. I'm sure you've seen the show Fear Factor, so this is kind of like, <laughs> stand on the bridge, jump. <laughs> um, I've, I've honestly had anxiety for as long as I can remember. Um, my mom called me a worrywart when I was little. I always worried, little Millie's always worrying about something. And I think when I was younger, it was the things that most kids probably worried about, test anxiety, first day of school, those types of things. So I didn't probably necessarily think it was anything or I, there wasn't a word for it. But my father died when he was 40 of a heart attack. My mother breast cancer in early 50s in, and early onset Alzheimer's in her um, late 50s. So as I got older, I started to worry about my own health. And the worry is all-consuming. And the song today, Even If, is amazing to me because mine was always what if. What if this, then that. What is that heart flutter? Why did I feel that? Do I call 911? I, I mean obsessive to yeah. the point where it consumed, it paralyzed me. And um, so I, I've been to you know, several counselors through the years and after my mom died, I really invested in time. Kind of searching through how to cope how to process when that little bit of flutter happens or twitch my arm or something feels a little funny. I didn't need to necessarily call the doctor right away, just breathe through it, those types of coping techniques. But one of the things I learned in a workshop I wanted to share with you because I thought it was so powerful and it captured to me exactly what living with anxiety is like. It says, living with anxiety is like being followed by a voice. It knows all your insecurities and uses them against you. It gets to the point when it's the loudest voice in the room and it's the only one that you can hear. So when I think of an example of my anxiety would be we were cooking dinner for some friends and I'm not a big cook, Mike's kind of my cook at the house. <laughs> so I have a couple signature dishes, uh, Italian <laughs> sausage and pesto, but anyway, so I'm making that, and um, I love to talk. And <clears throat> so I'm making that, and all of a sudden I got this flutter, and I thought, what, why did that just happen? I haven't had any wine yet, what's going on? I just didn't really understand it. So I kept cooking, and then there was like a little twitch, and then the panic attack would set in, and that's the racing heart, and this, the sweating, and then I'm thinking that's a heart attack. I've read enough on WebMD, and I think the internet is... <clears throat> one of my doctors back in Illinois actually said, one of your prescriptions is to stop going on WebMD. Yes. <laughs> but they have yeah. that little body that you can click on, the little symptom checker. <laughs> so anyway, I would, do, I, would, I would just start focusing, thinking about it. My husband, Michael, oh, God, he's such a blessing. He would come over to me and say, what's going on? And he could see it in my face. And it's probably taken years for him to figure out, but he knows. Because the conversation in the background, the laughter, the conversation at the table is a hum. I'm there, but I'm not listening. I'm not present at all, because it's just, it's crippling. Thank you You're for welcome. sharing that. You know, we were talking before the service, and. You know, when, when we looked at these several weeks we've been in this series, I told Millie, I said, I think God has used this series not, not only as a, a, a hope-giving series, but a permission-giving series, right? I'm guessing for years, Millie, you felt like I'm the only one, something's wrong with me, I'm broken, everybody else as their act together. And I think what we've found through conversations as this series has unfolded week by week, we have seen people going, oh my gosh, I thought it was just me. Um, and, and the things we, we wrestle with and struggle with and worry with. And even as you're telling your story, I'm sure that we had a lot of people nodding on the inside going, yeah, that's me, that's me. So appreciate that. Um, Ken, you know, as a pastor, and you know, what I love about Pastor Ken when he said he's been here 14 years is, he has encouraged me and challenged me as a fellow pastor, just not only in his knowledge of scripture, Ken's you know, just got a brilliant mind for that, but his um, application and living out of scripture, both in his personal life, 
but then also what he wants to see with others. So as we talk, you know, we, Ken, we've talked about kind of maybe the challenge side here, but as we move yeah. to the solution side, yeah. you yeah. know, what, what are some things that you would want to share with people that you've seen um, yeah. as a pastor? Yeah, and Dan, I, I love what you just said about, you know, there is, there is a reality to it, and we need to be able to give ourselves permission to say, God, this is where I'm at. And I'd love to be here, and I'd love to be better. I'd love to have stronger faith, or whatever. Whatever that is, whatever the voice is there. But the truth is, life can be a fearful thing, and it's stuff happens, right? And it's, there's actual fear that the Bible talks about, and, and there are potential fears. We worry about what could happen, what ifs as well as the, the what nows and what we're dealing with. And, and I, I love that God says, 1 Peter 5, 7. It's a great verse to know. It's a great verse to memorize. And I, I love how the Holy Spirit in, inspired Peter to write, cast all your cares, or it's the word for anxieties, on the Lord. Cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you, right? And God is great and powerful and yet he allows us in this life to go through stuff, things, everyday things, big things. He allows that to happen and yet God is close and personal with us. And for those of us who know him, God invites us to cast all our cares on him. And the, the word to cast, think of it like hot potato. It's like, don't hang on to those fears. It's like hot potato. You start feeling fear, anxiety, and worry, get rid of it. Cast it on the Lord. Cast it on the Lord, right? And what we tend to do, this is my own tendency, I could be, I could be the worry wart sort, right? But what we tend to do is we take that potential fear, that actual fear and, and worry, and we tend to mull it over, don't we? We wake up at night, we mull it over, we talk about it with people. And these things don't diminish, they tend to grow as we hang on to them. And God encourages us, cast our anxieties on the Lord. Just give them to him. And I think a couple other things, just from, just from the standpoint of scripture, uh, God encourages us to live for what matters for eternity, not for what fades with time, right? And sometimes we can feel worry and anxiety because we value and we're we're holding too tightly to things that really are fading with time. And that, that can be our health or our strength or our, our, our vitality or, or my position at this job. I love something Pastor Mike said, uh, Pastor Mike Garner, who was here some years ago. Um, Mike said, if you are what you do, your work, whatever, if you are what you do when you don't, you ain't. <laughs> right? Pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah, pretty simple. And that's so true. I, it, we can hang on to things so tightly that really are fading over time and there's nothing we can do about it. And God, from the perspective of Scripture, from what God tells us, He wants us to live more for what matters for eternity, our investment in others, our family, in, in His Word, in His in his way, the way of Jesus. So I love that. And our ultimate hope from scripture is in heaven, isn't it? Our ultimate hope is in heaven. Um, what we see in this world and who we are, even, even these bodies that the Bible calls a tent that we reside in, um, they're fading away. And ultimately they're going away. And our ultimate hope is in heaven. And Jesus even talks about, in Luke chapter six, he talks about when we, when we value our stuff, when we hang on to our stuff, it can derail our spiritual lives and give us a lot of anxiety. We can be anxious about this life and our things. Yeah. yeah that's good. So, I'm so glad you brought up 1 Peter 5, 7 too, because what a powerful promise or invitation, right, that God gives is. us. Why don't you say that again, the, the passage? Yeah, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon him because he, God, cares for you. Yeah, so yeah. good. We would hope that coming out of this series, whether it's 
1 Peter 5, 7, Matthew chapter 6, Philippians chapter 4, that God would give you um, these promises um, that you will take with you well beyond the series is over. Because as Ken said, as, as Millie said, um, part of the battle really is a battle of the mind and is um, the thoughts that um, struggle with and really carry over. It's interesting, the Philippians 4 passage, when it tells us to not be anxious about anything, that, that word in the Bible elsewhere is translated as concerned. And, and I think the whole concept with anxiety is, is a concern, and it, concerns are good. It's good to be concerned, but concerns gone wild, concerns that have gone out of control and where we maybe take on the burdens that we were never meant to carry, but we were supposed to leave with God to cast them on the Lord. That's so good. You know, Chelsea, I, I, you know, as Ken talks kind of from a pastoral perspective, I'd love to get your perspective as a counselor, and I realize that every person who walks in your office is unique, right? So maybe there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution, but I would imagine there are common themes of advice that, that you give and, and share with your clients and things that maybe were, um, you know, that have helped lead people to greater success. So what would you say just are some things you've seen? that have made positive differences? Well, absolutely, one size does not fit all. So be careful with WebMD and Dr. Google and how they diagnose you, but um, do educate yourself. You have to know what you're dealing with um, to, ha to know how best to help you. So educate yourself on anxiety and know that um, it's a disease that tries to control you. So work really hard by not letting it control you, not living by its terms, because um, it'll tell you, um, you don't want to go out, you don't want to see anybody, you're too overwhelmed, you don't have time, just stay home and isolate and worry. Um, and try not to do that. Pastor Dan had um, touched on things in an earlier service about um, addressing the areas of your life, the different areas of your life, um, social, physical, emotional, spiritual. Um, and if you can address those, that's a huge thing. You know, pray, address that spiritual part of yourself, the physical, um, do something physical, go for a walk, do some exercise, certainly spend some time with people. That social is so important. And um, you see a lot of kids now that are more introverted or they say they're introverted and they're playing their video games and stuff, but um, it's so important that they have relationship with someone Nobody is meant to be in a basement by themselves. We need relationship, and that's so important. So reach out to somebody. Um, don't let pride stop you from getting help. I know that there's a stigma, and pride is a real thing. We see a lot more women than men, I think, for that reason. But um, be careful of that. Um, realize that it's not something that we're meant to do alone. It's a community thing. And, reaching out to somebody, especially in the church community, is so important. Um, and finally, know that your kids see how you deal with this. So many parents come into my office and they say, my husband doesn't know what I'm going through, my wife doesn't know what I'm going through, my kids, I never let them see me cry. I never let them see me worry. Um, and now what we're seeing is a whole influx of children that don't know how to deal with their anxiety because they've never seen their parents deal with it. Mm. It's okay for them to see you struggle. So you can have that conversation with them to say, yeah, we struggle, but this is how we deal with it. We pray and we reach out and we get help. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. So you said something that really struck me that um, just a quick follow-up here, um, that you see more women than men doesn't mean that women necessarily wrestle with anxiety more. They're just right. more willing to, to talk about right. it. So what would you say to the person uh, listening who um, maybe has a stigma or a fear about seeing someone professionally? You know, what would your encouragement be to them? Um. <laughs> it's hard, and we understand that. We really understand that. Um, stigma is a real thing, but don't let that be the reason that you don't get help because, I mean, you, you can't get better like that. Um, you're not alone in this. 
nobody's alone in this. Millie yeah. isn't alone in her anxiety. We all deal with it to some degree, but there's so many people that struggle with it. Um, and I think if you're a person that reaches out um, and gets help, that you're probably leading other people to it as well. Um, and you're definitely not alone. Yeah, and I would say, Ken, you could probably um, you know, back me up on this, but pastorally, when we um, counsel from a pastoral counseling perspective, I think what we see is um, maybe a, a blanket of shame that is from the enemy that you know, is like, oh my gosh, if somebody knew the real me, knew my real story, um, I, I would be rejected. And I, I, I honestly say there, there's nothing uh, I've ever heard that has totally shocked me, you know? And I think that really is that, that secret. So Ken, would you kind of agree with that? Agree, that, totally agree. Yeah, that, that there's this, this shame and this secrecy that the enemy wants to keep us from reaching out for help for this fear of rejection. And that's the power of the body of Christ. That's the power of acceptance that we have in the Lord, right? That, that God loves us in Christ for who we are, not who we think we should be. Yeah. And um, trust me, all of us are still in progress and, and we all have our own circumstances and, and junk that, that we're working through. So just to echo Chelsea's you know, invitation and encouragement that really when you reach out, actually the, the power of the lie, the power of the secrecy gets broken, and that really is one of the steps to, to healing and growth, really, because you're, those bonds, right, that have you captive are broken. So Millie, um, like back to you, you've been honest in sharing that this has been a journey for you, so talk about where you've seen um, progress, signs of hope. I, you know, one of the things I said in this series is, you know, we don't want to say that there are magic fixes, right? That, that God waves a wand and poof, it's, it's all gone. But, but there's hope, right? And so tell us a little bit about that uh, for you. I, I'm really happy to say that I think I've made a lot of progress in the last several years. I think becoming a mother was probably the biggest trigger. Mm. One, to get more nervous about what ifs. What if something happens to my health and I leave my children at a young age or what have you, but I think making the call for help. And I've done counseling s several times, as I mentioned, but this time was a little bit different. Um, I saw a provider through the EAP program at her um, job, and she said, you know, maybe you should try these different workbooks. And I think for some people, it's probably just the right advice at the right time. Uh -huh. And in that moment, I was ready to accept it and I found a lot of great tools through it, but also at the same time, I was paired up with an amazing physician. And she said, you know, I really want you to think about the changing the mental part of this whole thing, because it's a real thing, what you have. Um, don't be embarrassed to call if you get a symptom, you know, of something, because I think that's a lot of it is the shame, the embarrassment. How many times have I called the doctor and said, okay, now I'm feeling this. Can I just get that test? I mean, poor Mike's like, stop with the tests. <laughs> I gotta just make sure. You know, the truth of the matter is, is the what ifs that I experience in my life, the uncomfortable truth is any of it could happen. Yeah. But the even if is so amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, prayer has, has really got me to where I am now that those little symptoms, the flutters and things, they're gonna still happen time and again. It's physiological, it's just gonna happen. I think that's the challenge that lies ahead is knowing that it's not over, that it'll happen. But how am I gonna address it the next time? One of the techniques that I learned was something called a uh, switch. And it's a, it's a way to control more of the thought process that you have. And for the longest time, when a little flutter or whatever the symptom was would happen, I would think of a trigger word and then I could move my thoughts to whatever that was. And a couple years ago, I just changed it to, Jesus, please be with me. Hmm. And it put the pause button on everything and it just reset hmm. and, and, and stopped the worry. And wow. casting your fears onto him, yeah. that's, I don't know a better way to explain it. It's, he's the best Zoloft you could ask for. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But the what-ifs really are that yeah. even if 
I have to call 911. My, my family will still support me, even if yeah. I have heart disease at a young age. God is with me. Even if he calls me home, I'm going to be in a great place. Yeah. It, it's amazing what just those little changes can do, but it's amazing what prayer changes you. Yeah, partway through this series, uh, Millie shared with me that whole just mindset difference of going from what if to even if, and it's so powerful. And, and you know, as much as you, you talk about, you know, techniques or tricks, I do think there are those things we can do, right, to stop the barreling freight train of worry and anxiety and multiplying thoughts to to claim truths we already know to be true because they're rooted in God's eternal character, but to make it real in the moment, right? Yeah, good. Hey, Ken, um, as we begin to wind down, you know, one of the weeks we talked about in this series uh, was caring well. We talked about the power of a church family, the power of relationships, and you are our, you know, community group champion along with with Shannon and and talk about just what you've seen the power of groups the power of relationships and how God has used that to encourage and bring peace to people yeah as Chelsea you've said and Millie you've said just it, we need people we just do man woman older younger we need people in our lives that we can do the journey of life together with we really do um, there's a, a Russian painter that painted a scene just before the Russian Revolution that I, I, I literally cannot forget. I saw it in Dallas years and years ago, cannot forget this scene. It's, it's about 20 people standing outside of a Russian prison. And if you could just, just imagine the snow, the mist, it's kind of dark and gray walls and iron gate and all these people right outside these iron gates and as you look a little closer at this painting, it's, it's clear that everybody, although they're fairly close together, they're alone. They're very alone. And none of them is, some are looking down, they're just alone with their fears of the, a loved one that's inside the prison or whatever's happening there. They're turned away from each other. They're, no one's looking at the other. And if we're not careful, the, the, just the busyness, some of the pride, the, maybe isn't some kind of a crazy false spirituality. You know, who knows what that is? Embarrassment, shame can make us like that. We can go through life with a crowded loneliness. We can be around a lot of people even like this on Sunday mornings. But at the end of the day, personally, emotionally, spiritually, we can be alone. And man, that... That is a huge burden on us at Hopevale because Scripture talks so much about it that we need to be the family of God in real and everyday ways. Not just say we're a church family or a congregation, but it needs to be real for us and it needs to be real for each of us. And we've seen that in our group. We have, we're going on 60 community groups that meet all around the Great Lakes Bay region. And we could sit here all day and tell we won't. But we could sit here all day and just tell uh, stories of how God has worked in each of our lives, including this guy right here in a group. I'm a lifer in community groups. And how God works in our lives. Some of it's preventative medicine and we don't really talk about it. We're just encouraged by someone else's journey. And sometimes God gives us just the courage to say, hey guys, this is where I'm at. This is what's stressing me right now about where our kids are, what our kids are dealing with, or just personally. And I know I should be better, but man, this is where I'm at. And for other people, and guys, you know this about us men, it's like for another guy to say, yeah, me too. Yeah, I deal with that too. You're not a wimp, right? Um, I deal with that too. It's, it's we, we need that so much in all of our lives all of our lives, we need that closeness. And so that's why as a church, we, we really do encourage every, every single, every man, every woman, every couple, regardless of your age, be connected to a group of people at Hopevale. Be connected and make, make that real and make it regular, make it committed and then risk, as you build some friendship, build some trust, 
Risk sharing your journey with people. The praises and the wins and celebrate together, but some of the journey where it's, it's hard and you're dealing with some worry, anxiety, share that with people and you will find that God will show you answers and God will give you strength and, and God will give you really the experience of his family in some real ways that is just, it, literally it's irreplaceable uh, in our lives. That's so good. I think of, uh, again, 2 Corinthians 1, right? Comforting others with the comfort that we ourselves receive from the Lord. Um, well, as we begin to wind down, can we go ahead and uh, recognize and appreciate our panelists? Uh, Millie, one down, one to go. Okay, so, yeah. I'm also going to invite the worship team on stage as we get ready to, to close with a song. But, you know, as I was thinking about uh, this message this week and wrapping up the series, I, I came to mind, uh, a thought came to mind of a funeral service that I officiated this week. And as part of that service, I read the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me uh, beside still waters, he restores my soul, you know, and that God is our shepherd, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil, he's with us, his, his rod, his staff, they comfort us. And so when Millie, you know, says her prayer is, Jesus, be with me, in our, you know, thoughts that we're in this alone is we're not, that Jesus, our Savior, is also our good shepherd. He, he walks with us every step of the way, and in those times when, when we're too weary to walk, he'll even carry us along in, in the journey. And that is why we can say it is well. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that you say that there is a peace that surpasses all comprehension, all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And we seek that peace, we pray for that peace, and we look to you for that peace. And God, as we've heard from Millie and Chelsea and Pastor Ken, we realize, God, that we're not in this alone, that there are people uh, who, who want to help us, who want to encourage us as we deal with very real worries and anxieties. But God, thank you that even beyond human help, there is a victorious Savior who died in our place for our sins but rose victoriously from the grave who is very real and very present with us, so that even as the sea billows roll, and whatever comes our way, we can look to you, Jesus, and say it is well. And God, give us, give us this peace as you give us your presence, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so let's stand up, everybody. We're going to sing this closing uh, song, the title song of our series, It Is Well. I said this on that first Sunday that we started this series. Um, just to, uh, the guy who wrote it, Horatio Spafford, lost all, all of his children, and uh, his wife survived in a shipwreck. And he's taking a ship to go over to his wife. And when he thinks he's over the place where his children died, he penned the words, when sorrows like sea billows roll, um, whatever my lot, God, whatever comes my way, you've taught me to say it's well with my soul. And wouldn't that be awesome to be said of us? Whatever comes our way, right? It's well with our soul. Yeah, let's worship together.
What a moment, what an exclamation point. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It is well with your soul. It's been a great series. What a journey together. And as we said on the panel, it doesn't stop with our Sundays. Let us be the kind of church that cares for each other, that points each other to the peace we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, we'll have a special summer communion service and fix our eyes on the Lord, on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to Bible camp as well. And as you heard earlier from Bill Hobson, even if you're not able to serve, I uh, would love for you to pray for everything that's going to be happening on these church grounds this week. As you go from here, may the peace of God flood your hearts in Jesus Christ. God bless you.